0: Um, I uh, have to confess that if I could, I would do a two-hour sermon on this passage, and I will not. For all of those of y- y'all who just kind of panicked and, said, oh my gosh, isn't he long enough already? <laughs> Thanks. Um, I, uh, I Researching it and studying it, and I, uh, I, I had to take a class in college on the Gospel of John. And I, I took it and I finished it, which was good. Um, and I, I think I actually uh, um, got an A in the class, so that's good. Uh, but but um, there was so much to do along the way that you just miss things and things don't hit you. And I, I studying this, it was one of those times when, when things just jumped out at me. And I, I thought, man, I really wish, really wish I could do more with this. So um, we're actually going to start with a... Uh, um, Some background here, uh, if I can get it to work. My slides are set up funny, and I am not, uh, I'm not sure that they're going to work. I'm just going to put it aside, and we're going to wing it. Um, Or are you going to take it and fix it? (laughs) Oh. The, uh, all right, background. We are working our way through the, uh, the book of signs. Um, and, and this is actually the very end of this section of the text. Okay. So now the way that John is divided up, the first half of the book is Jesus's public ministry and the book of signs. And like all of the stuff in the front end is, is kind of the signs that demonstrated who Jesus was and what his credentials were. Um, and, and this is the very end of that book. And from this portion of the text on, like the, when we finish this, it's done from this point onward, everything is about, um, Jesus going to the cross and, and, um, the crucifixion and, and the resurrection and, and the implications of that. There's some teaching that happens privately. Um, but as far as Jesus public ministry, there's no more public stuff that happens. And so everybody has seen like they've seen miracles and they've seen signs and they've seen all sorts of other things. Um, and, and up until this point, like they just, they, even though they saw all this stuff, they didn't believe. Um, some of them believed in, in kind of an unusual way. Like they believed, oh, this guy is from God, but they believed in Jesus that wasn't Jesus. Does that make sense? Like they believed in Jesus that was um, the Jesus they wanted to see and not who Jesus really was. Um, they, they believed in a guy who was kind of, you know, he fed 5,000 people. He's like a vending machine. It's awesome. That's the way God should be, you know, and there, there's a temptation to see God that way, like this cosmic vending machine. I say my prayer, you give me what I want. Um, or, or other folks saw him as, you know, kind of their personal avenger, you know, and, and uh, um, they said, well, you know, this Jesus guy, he's going to go out and he's going to kill the bad guys and that's going to be awesome. And they had like a ready finger to point at every bad guy they wanted squished. And, and you know, that's what they expected, but they didn't believe in the Jesus that, that was actually there. Um, this is a huge distinction because it's easy to get lost in who Jesus is. You know, like it's easy to get lost in our own idea versus what's really there. And, um, I mean, we're, we're going to look a lot at the book of Isaiah today and talk about some of the stuff that happened in Isaiah's ministry. Um, but um, there's kind of a build here. And John is like, John is a great writer. Um, in chapter 8, he talks about Jesus heals this blind man, right? On the side of the road, he's walking along, and he heals a blind man. And that blind man, um, all of a sudden, he was blind, and then he could see. And he believes in Jesus, and he has faith and all that. And he gets dragged into the synagogue because the Pharisees, who are like the religious authorities, were, were kind of threatened by Jesus. They didn't like him. And so when, when this blind man came in, they interviewed him and tried to get him to back off of what he was saying. And they threatened, if you don't take it back, we're going to kick you out of the synagogue, right? Now, in that setting, to be kicked out of the synagogue was to become a social outcast. It basically ended your public life, right? Like you you would try to go to gatherings, and people would shun you. Because if they associated with you, what would happen? They'd get kicked out, too. And so, like, the Pharisees wielded a lot of power, and, and most folks were afraid of them. And so, like, the blind man goes in there, and they're like, well... We're going to ask you some questions, and you're going to deny this Jesus guy. And in the end, when he won't, they're like, "Well, that's it. You're out of here." And and he's like, "Hey, you know, you can tell me anything you want. What I know is I was blind and now I see, right?" And part of what John plays into that story, we can't. We're not doing a whole sermon on it until next year. Um, there's a whole portion of this story that plays on the fact that like um, these folks just they don't see, right? They look at it, but they're so locked in they are so stuck in their own like agenda that they don't see who god is and so they're completely blind when he hears them teach they're completely deaf they can't hear what he's actually saying all they hear is what they want to hear everybody with me um so the last few signs have taken place it's sort of this build up um which i really wish i could get into this more Um, It's sort of a build-up. It's sort of a a foreshadowing of what's coming, the uh, Mary anointing Jesus. We talked about that about a month ago. Um, It's this foreshadowing of the death. The triumphant entry is is a foreshadowing of, like, the misunderstanding. in the Greek believers, um, these guys who come and aren't Jews and are, like, outsiders, points to the fact that the world is going to accept him even though the Jews didn't accept him. Okay? And so there's a huge foreshadow that takes place. And John is building kind of up into this, and he stops the narrative, and the next couple of verses are an aside. And they're an aside where John sort of inserts some explanation. Okay? And um, it's a powerful explanation. Sorry, my mouth is really dry this morning. Um, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Um, Although he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, um, John starts to call on Isaiah, so we're going to have to look at Isaiah a little bit to offer some context here. But John basically says, look, Jesus showed up and he performed miracles and they didn't believe him. Right, he did huge stuff, and they didn't believe him. Um, and 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 like like Isaiah, what he said about this was, um, and this is we're not going to go through the whole passage. I really wanted to. I thought about it, and then I thought, man, we're going to be here for hours if we do. Um, I'm going to read you part of it because um, this phrase, as a standalone, is a little weird, right? Um, if it's in the bulletin. There's a list of readings. This is Isaiah 53, um, and he like we're going to start a couple verses early. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. So many, as many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance that his, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. King shall shut their mouths because of him for what for that which has not been told to them they see and that which they have not heard they understand um who has believed what the what he, excuse me who has believed what he has heard from us and to whom has the arm of the lord been av- revealed we're going to hit pause there um what's going on at this point is he says listen the whole world the nations, everybody who is not Jewish, they look at what happens with Jesus and like the story of the crucifixion and the story of what happens to him. It is so over the top that they're dumbstruck, right? Have you ever heard? I uh, I heard a story. I'm not going to share it with you today because um, it's it's one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. we were I was in a client meeting and we had a meeting and we were told about something that happened to a young person that I knew and i had to get up and leave and i was dumbstruck which is really something that's not often that i'm speechless um (laughs) but but when i heard the story i just i had no words to put out there do you know what i mean i mean like like so what he's saying is that the nations see the story of jesus and it's so much that they they have nothing like they're they're struck dumb in front of it they can't respond and, and um, that his treatment was so severe and so excessive and, and, and literally like for our sake, right? Because it's mentioned in this, in this particular passage, um, he shall sprinkle many nations. It's talking about Jesus like cleansing the world with his blood, right? Like through his shed blood, the nations are, are given forgiveness. And, and um, it's so much. That, that they're impressed by it, they're taken aback, they can't speak to it. And then he goes on and he says, but hey, what about, that's 53 one, the verse that John quotes, um, who has believed what he has heard from us? Meaning, like, hey, look at the folks around you. Jesus went out and he preached the word, and he told them what he was going to do, and even his own disciples, he told them, hey, guess what, I'm going to be killed in a few days. And they didn't get it, right? Has anybody ever, I mean... There are times when I encounter things and I'll read a set of instructions or I'll be told something by my wife or I'll I'll be exposed to something over and over and over again and I just don't get it. And then after like a certain point it's like click, everything connects and it's, Oh yeah, I get it now. Has anybody ever done that? You know, where where and, and that's what's happened. Like, even the disciples don't get it. They hear the word. They hear the message. They hear everything. And then, like, even when Jesus is arrested, he says, listen, guys, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to go and be killed. But it has to happen. So, like, heads up, it's going to happen. And then when they arrest him, Jesus picks, or Peter picks up a sword and tries to fight. <laughs> and Jesus is like, "What? weren't you paying attention? And he was paying attention. He just didn't get it. Because they heard the message But they didn't believe. They just didn't understand. And for the most part with the Jews, they were looking for something. But what they were looking for was not what God gave them. Okay? Um, The passage goes on. If you're not familiar with Isaiah 53, I would really wish I could read it all to you. Um, But I can't. It's um, Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was born tells the story of Jesus' life. is amazing. It's one of those passages if you meet somebody who doesn't know the Bible and you read it to him, you ask them like, what's he talking about? And they'd be like, oh, it's probably about Jesus, right? It's probably in the New Testament. It's like, nope, written seven centuries before Jesus was born. Um it goes on. Like one of the basic things that's presented there is that he's despised and rejected and that he had nothing to attract folks to him. It wasn't like he was out there and he was just telling people what God had him say and folks rejected him anyway. Now we're going to go on Um, this is 39 to 40. So John continues, therefore, they could not believe. Now, this is tricky and there's going to be a really tricky thing here. And, um, I'm going to do my best with it. Just, you know, bear with me. Um, basically what he says is, listen, Isaiah predicted that they wouldn't. And when the time came, they couldn't, right? Right. They couldn't understand what was happening. And, and I can almost, like, it's hard to put this into perspective. Um, it's hard to put it out there. But, like, the, the most complete connection I've ever seen, like, the, the best illustration I've seen of it is, like, I, I've known guys who are, I, I've worked with, um, like, drug addicts for years, right? And it's funny, with drug addicts, you can tell them things, and they, they, they can hear it, and they can understand it, but they can't make it true in their head, Right? Like You say, well, look, this is ruining your life. And they would be like, oh, no, it's not ruining my life. It's everybody else's fault. <laughs> like, no, it's ruining your life. Nope, it's everybody else's fault. No, it's ruining, nope, it's everybody else's fault. And no matter how loud you it at them, it doesn't connect. Because they're just like in their heart and in their soul, they are blind. Right? Um, the scriptural term for that is hard-heartedness. Right? And hard-heartedness is when sin has so infiltrated. Invested you that you just become like like a rock right and nothing's permeating um, I, I, an, another example of that I would think like somebody ever committed a sin and felt really bad about it and then committed it again not long ago after and they felt a little less bad and then you did it again and you felt a little less bad and then by the time you are at the hundredth time you didn't care anymore that's hard-heartedness okay just kind of as a silly illustration of it Um, So, therefore, they could not believe, meaning that the Jewish people who, as Jesus entered and he preached and they did miracles, they just could not understand because they were incapable of it. For, again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Now, watch this. this is much earlier in the book. This is Isaiah 6. And what's going on at this point in the book is Isaiah, um, in the very beginning of his ministry, um, goes into the temple, and he has a vision of God, right? And, and read it on your own. I can't read the whole thing. There's just not enough time. Um, read it on your own. Like Isaiah walks in. And he sees God seated on his throne in the temple, like, filling the place up. His robe, like, is so big that it just completely occupies the room. There are angels flying around him. And they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? Like, and that's important, by the way, because um, holy, holy, holy. Like, whenever you say things two times or three times in the Jewish language, twice is to extra emphasize... Three times is completeness. Like, if you say it more than three times, it doesn't make sense in Hebrew anymore. Got it? Like, you say it three times, it means 110%, right? So when they say holy, 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 God's holiness, his purity, his cleanliness, his cleanness is his dominant factor. We say God is love. God is love is true, right? God loves in huge, amazing ways. He demonstrates it in sending his son to die for our sins, even though, like, We do bad stuff, like even though we rebel against Him, when we hate Him, even God's Son still died for us. When we're His enemies, when we, when we, you know, are most wrong, um, I'm I'm actually not there yet. So, um, when we're most wrong, like so, but holiness is still even more so. So God's purity and His set apartness, His holiness, is like His primary attribute. Um, So Isaiah sees God in the temple, on the throne, filling the place up. And he like falls down and he's like, I'm in trouble because I am, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. May, meaning basically like, like that I'm a wicked person and, and I'm from a people who are wicked and I've seen God and I'm in trouble now, right? And God cleanses him. And um, God says, um, and I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say this to the people. Um, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Um, here's where this is kind of tricky. Um, what does it mean that, like, like um, he has blinded their eyes? That he is God, right? That means that God has blinded the eyes of men. What? <laughs> um, watch this. In my most sinful state, and it's the same for you, tr- you guys. Okay, like if you leave me up to my most wicked I can be, I- I'll astonish you, right? Like I got, I got gifts. But you're all in the same place because we are all sinful, right? And sin has this, like, permeating effect. It gets through every part of us. And, like, to keep the world from collapsing, God puts a governor on us, right? You know what a governor is? I'm just two people. (laughs) A governor is something you keep, like, you put it on an engine to keep it from going all the way up, right? Like, every high school kid should have a governor in their car. It's just, like, it should be every, in fact, every kid younger than high school, since this is Montana, should have an even lower set governor. It keeps you from going as fast as you can. And what God does is he comes in on us and he says, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a governor on you. You're not going to go as far as you can. All right? I'm going to stop you. Um, if God backs up, we'll do more. Does that make sense? Read Romans 1. It's sort of a great explanation of this where God says, listen, they enjoyed their sin and they indulged in it. And so I handed them over to it. And their sin got worse. And it got worse, and they didn't repent, and they didn't feel anything. And so you know what he did? He handed them over to it. What does it mean that he handed them over to it? It means God looks at us and says, if you're going to hate me and you're going to rebel against me, I'm going to let you do your own thing. And he backs up and lets us do it, right? Um, And it's actually one of the worst things that can happen because it's when sin gets out of control. Is because God is, like, backing up and letting you do your thing, right? Anybody, like, lost yet or, like, angry at me? This is a hard concept, right? It's not that God is making these people sin. It's actually that they were already, they were already in rebellion, and God backed up and said, You know what, if that's what you're gonna do, do it. Right? It's already the case that they're in a place where they've got they got bad things coming, and God lets them live it out. And and in this case, right, in this case, he backs up and he lets them live it out because they're going to murder Jesus right? And if they hadn't murdered Jesus, if they hadn't taken him to the cross, if they hadn't nailed him down, um, salvation wouldn't be available. Like we would not be saved. We would not have like hope of grace and forgiveness, right? And so when God backs up and lets them do it, he lets them do it because, um, because it had to happen. But it's not as though they were innocent in the first place. Does that make sense? God doesn't harden hearts out of Um, some sort of vindictive, hey, you know what, I'm going to mess with you now. It's much more so you choose to rebel, I'll let you do it, right? You choose to rebel, well, fine, if that's what you want to do, I'll let you do it. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and uglier and uglier and uglier. And I know, actually, I know because I know y'all, and I've talked to some of y'all, there are folks in this room who've had that happen, right? Where, like, there was something you were doing, and it was wrong, and you were like, I just don't care, and God said, well, if that's what you want, do it. And, like, eventually you reach a point where you're like, how did I end up here? You <laughs> know, How did this get so bad? Um, I've been there. I talked about it a little bit last week. It's part of, you know, my life. And it's part of everybody's life. Like, Like that sin that overtakes us. And so... Um, There's an interesting thing, by the way, a quick aside, and we're going to move on. Um, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their hearts and turn. If you paid attention in the Isaiah passage, the order is different. John changed the order. He reversed it, right? He paraphrased it. Why did he do that? Well, um, blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their hearts. In chapter eight, he tells us really crazy story about a blind man who's healed and sees Jesus and hears the message and understands with his heart and is changed. Right? Whereas the Pharisees saw with their eyes, but they're blind. They didn't believe with their heart, and they continued to rebel. Um, and I and you know understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Check this out. What did Jesus do with the blind man? He healed them. What can't he do with the Pharisees? He can't heal them, right? Well, he could, um, but they're electing to stand in a place where, like, like, he's letting them have what they want. And sometimes getting what you want is the worst thing you can get. It's just true. Um, so he goes on. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. One of the recurring themes we're working through, we're working in the direction of the cross. The cross was Jesus' glory. Right. When we talk about glory, it's so easy to get lost in it because we think about glory like um, like, you know, winning a football game and there's glory attached. Right. You will forever be known as the guy who won this game. Right. And some folks maybe know people who relive that glory. Right. And they think, man, remember when I was in high school Remember when I, you know, if the coach had just put me in, I would have. You know, or remember that, and it's that glory moment, and it becomes, like, the highlight of their life. That's not the glory we're talking about. God's glory is, like, huge because God himself is glorious, right? Knowing God is to know glory. And when God reveals himself, he reveals his glory. And so at the cross, God reveals his glory in his, like, amazing love for us that he would send his son to die for us, right? Um. I'm getting bogged down. I'm sorry. Um, And so Isaiah saw his glory, but his, who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, right? Because over and over again, who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, and he says, Isaiah said this because he saw his glory, meaning that in the temple, you know, he is standing there. He sees God. What he saw was Jesus before before the, the incarnation, before Jesus showed up in the world, he saw Jesus. And so, like, there's a tipped hand here that a lot of what Isaiah talks about in his ministry is about Jesus. Um, even this, like, this, this prediction, this, like, like you know, that the hardening of hearts, even though they hear and they see and they should believe and they don't get there, it's because even though they see Jesus, they can't, right? Um, Isaiah is healed having seen Jesus. The people who hear the message from Isaiah aren't healed. Um, because at the end of Isaiah's ministry, they're still in rebellion, right? Um, We're going to go on. Nevertheless, many, even the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Now, watch this. There are people who believed who Jesus was, Right, they believed what his message was, but they hid it because they were afraid. Right, that is an easy thing to do. Um, I know a lot of folks who, in a basic way, believe in Jesus. Right, yes, Jesus, you know, good guy, believe he died on the cross. I'm all good, but um, it stops there because they're embarrassed. Right, and it can be embarrassing. The world we live in. Oftentimes, it's very hostile to the message of the, message of the cross, like very much so, and it is embarrassing to put that out there. And these guys were in this spot, and that is, gosh, man, what kind of worst thing is there, right? Or they, you know, conversely, I'm going to kind of, um, they like what they're doing, and so even though they believe, they're like, man, I can't do that because, or I can't invest because I enjoy the heck out of the life I'm living. I, uh, I, there was a guy who was in our office one day at the Presbyterian Church who was talking to our pastor about why God doesn't exist, and they argued back and forth. And meant Jim, the pastor that I was working for, he was—he could sell, you know, ice makers to Eskimos. That guy was. That guy was slick, right? He was intelligent. And he argued with this guy and let him run in circles. And the guy, everything said, well, God can't exist because of this. Or God can't exist because of that. And God can't exist because of this. And finally, he hits a point where he says, you know what? I'm cheating on my wife. And I've been cheating on my wife for a couple of years now. If your God exists, I, I can't do that. You know, I understand I'd be forgiven and all that. But I'm really enjoying cheating on my wife. And so, like... Pretty much I'm not buying it because I don't want to change. I like what I'm doing, right? Um, this is kind of another end of this. Like a lot of folks believe, but that belief hits the wall because they like what they're doing. I Honestly, and I've done this. I'm not saying this as a guy like I believed in Jesus but lived a life that was like, like you know, like hell, honestly. And I did it because I liked what I was doing. And so, even though I spoke with my mouth and stood in the right place and had the right job and everything else, wasn't true. And it's easy to live in that place. Um, I skipped a verse. Doggone it! Um, oh no, I almost skipped a verse. And Jesus cried out and said, "Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in Him who sent me. And whoever sees Him who sees me sees Him who sent me." Now watch this. Jesus. So like John stops. Jumps back into the narrative. Jesus is probably standing in the temple when he says this. And he says, listen, if you believe in me, you believe in God. And he's putting it out there. I am God, right? I am not just another messenger, right? I am not just another teacher. I am not some prophet. I am not some you know, guy selling a, a, um, um, a get-rich-quick scheme or anything like that. I, I, we, we were at a, an exercise thing yesterday, uh, which was horrible. Um, but I love my wife, so I went because, because it was worth it. Um, not because of the exercise. There's parts of me that hurt that I didn't know could hurt. Um, but the guy was doing this talk, and he was really genuine. He was really earnest. But over and over again, his, his message was, if you believe in yourself, right, listen to the words I'm telling you. All you have to do is try real hard. And and he was selling this sort of like self-motivational speaker lifestyle thing that was about hurting yourself through exercise. Um, but we live in a world full of that garbage, right? Where it's hey, I could go with this, you know. Like for a while, it was uh, all at Kabbalah is like a version of Jewish faith where they uh, do numerology to predict the future and all kinds of. Stuff. Madonna did it, and uh, Britney Spears did it, and a lot of celebrities were Kabbalah. Look at how cool this is, because they picked that because it sort of had a great message to it, and they're like, that's awesome. But then you know they might get tired of that and say, well, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do some Tony Robbins or whatever, you know, I, or who are other motivational speakers? Uh, Joel Osteen. I'm going to follow that guy. He's, and um, Jesus is saying, listen, I am not just another guy selling a way to fix your life or a way to behave better or a way to do this or a way to do that. I'm not selling anything. I am right here. Believe in me because I am God. The message I'm bringing you is God's message. Right now, this little speech he does has a bookend. Right. It's a nice circular speech. It starts out saying, if you see me, you see the father. So first off, but it ends kind of the same way. And we'll get to that. Forty six. I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Um, All right. I I did this with a small group the other day. We'll see how it goes this time. Um, Think about the worst thing you've ever done. Don't say anything about it, okay? You don't have to stand up and sing it or anything. Think about the very worst thing you've ever done, right? That thing that when you go to bed at night, it's there. You know what I'm talking about? Or is that just me? Like, right right there in your mind's eye, right? Um, how badly do you want the world to know about that? Not very badly, right? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's really – like like, we do things that are wrong in the darkness because – And we want him to stay in the darkness because um, because it's embarrassing, right? Because it's shameful. Um, When Jesus says, I have come into the world as a light, um, he's talking about bringing us away from this sin that we can get stuck in, away from this sin that infests us, away from this lostness that exists and into God's good graces. And he gives us a way to wash away all the garbage that happened in the dark and be in this place of the light. Made right and ready to be right in front of God, right? Um, Whoever believes in me may not remain. There's a double edge to this, right? Now watch this because he's about to kind of really dig in and Jesus had a habit of saying some hard things and they're about to come. Um, May not remain in darkness. There are folks who can see the light and say, I see it. It looks cool. Stay in here, right? Like my example of the guy who's – I'm cheating on my wife. He may exist, but I'm not going to believe it because – I like this. It's like my daughter covering her eyes when she knows she's doing something wrong in case I may not be able to see. Right? <laughs> oh, Dad, you can't see me. Oh, I can. It's not helping. Um, and so, like, part of the idea here is that seeing the light, believing in the light, means coming out of the darkness. It means not sitting in the dark and, like, reveling in the, the stuff that happens there. Um if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge them. That's cool, right? So listen, if you hear me and you ignore what I'm teaching, I'm not, I'm not here to judge you. Um, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world, right? She says, listen, I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to save you. I'm here to pull you out of the darkness. I'm here to make you clean. I'm here to make you right before God. That is what I'm here for. Um, the one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Um, Now we're going to hit pause there. Um, In the list of verses for the week, Jesus earlier in the book um, says, listen, these guys who say they're all about the Ten Commandments, right? If they're not doing them, that's their judge, right? Like on the last day you're standing in front of God and they're going to be like, Ten Commandments, and God's going to take the Ten Commandments and put it up like a ruler. And he's going to be like, guess what? You didn't do it. Right? Um, I, I'm supposed to be dieting and exercising right now. Right? The judge for me every morning is the scale. Right? There ain't no fool in the scale. Right? There ain't no fool in it. It's just it's going to tell the truth. Like, I'm going to measure up against it. And either I'm going to be lighter or I'm going to be fatter. And generally, it's fatter, by the way. Um, but I carry it well. Uh, I just say that kind of thing to see if you're listening. Um <laughs> um so he says listen if you hear me and you say you believe me you say you've got faith in me like these leaders who didn't want to acknowledge it publicly if you you're there right like you you see it and you you're in your heart it's all there and you say but you know what forget all the rest of this stuff i'm not going to bother that's going to be the standard in the last day right you're going to stand there and the standard is going to come out and it's going to be like so you hated your neighbor and you you know stole stuff and you you know like the Internet a bit too much, and, you know, you didn't bother trying to do any of this stuff, but you said you believed, right? Well, not so much. Um, I, I ask sometimes, I'll put it on my Facebook page or on my Twitter account, um, can I be a vegan and still eat meat? Right? Can I? Can I be a vegan and wear a leather belt? Can I be a vegan and enjoy milk? Can I be a vegan and, you know, hit deer with my car because it's funny? Or because I'm Twila. Twyla. um um, i'm so sorry um i was gonna say female driver but it seems so much more offensive um uh, (laughs) so i tossed it in there um i i can't be a vegan and eat meat right the reality is that being a follower of jesus coming under jesus's lordship what saves us is faith. You cannot work and earn salvation, right? You believe in Jesus. You confess your sins to him. You, you know, that is what saves us, right? But after that, we come under his lordship, right? We either, you know, believe in it and be saved by it and then come under his teaching and try to live it and try to apply it and, like, fearlessly search ourselves and say, how am I doing, right? And searching yourself is horrible. It's so much easier to search the people around you I'm thinking about all sorts of people that need to hear this message. Does anybody else do that? Is it just me? Oh, when you're doing that, guess who you're not thinking about? Yourself. That's right. Wow. That is a tough critic. Um, And what? (laughs) And so um, he says, listen, um, what's going to judge you in the end if you say you believe in me is this, right? Right. You're going to come under – you're going to do discipleship. You're going to learn to live according to my teaching, and it's going to be what guides you. That's how you know, right? Um, because otherwise, it's like being a vegan and eating steak, right? I'm not saying nobody should be a vegan. I don't believe in that. Um, don't, I'm not arguing in favor of it. It's just saying, yes. <laughs> um, that will be what judges him. For I have not spoken on my own authority. This is the end of this here, like it's the bookend. I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given, has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that His commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. And so, like Jesus ends, and He said this in the last section that we looked at the last sermon, right? I'm going to the cross because the father sent me. I'm doing it out of obedience. At this point, what we have is, um, this is a, I'm, I'm acting out of obedience. The father told me what to say. You're hearing it, right? You see me, you seen the father, you heard my words, you heard the father's words, right? And so he puts it out there. This isn't my deal. This is God's deal. You want to be, you want to deal with God. This is it faith in my death, like trusting that my salvation is enough. And then just coming under my teaching, right? Follow and live different. Um, not because that's what saves you, but because that's what we're called to do. Um, we're going to do communion this morning. We are running late. I'm sorry, guys. I uh, I'm going to call forward my guys. Um, if anybody's interested in learning more about this passage, I have about ten more pages.